They're young still, not seventy yet. They almost destroyed the house all those years ago, trying to pull down the wall between their rooms. They've got the smallest rooms because they match, long and narrow and dim, with long windows facing out onto the fruit trees at the back. And they worked together, wordlessly, one each side of the wall, hacking and chipping until the house began to shake and creak. A crack slithered across my ceiling then, and it's there still, inching across even now in a storm, or when Aggie has a really big shake-up. And they're left with a hole now, a two-brick-sized hole. They have their beds pushed against the wall, six inches apart, and when they lie down they can see each other's faces just watch each other until they fall asleep at the same instant and dream, I suppose, the same dream. Stay away from that dyke, whatever you do. You hear me? Every time he went away, Father left us with this warning. And once he'd gone, like clockwork, we'd get up and do the chores. I did the laundry, the worst of the jobs, don't ask me how that decision was made. And the baking. Agatha did the outside work and fed and milked the cow. The twins cleaned the house and helped us if we asked them to. With all of us working hard, four strong pairs of hands, even the twins were quite capable as long as they worked together, the chores were done by dinner time. The chickens and the cow tended, the garden seen to, the beds aired and the floors swept. And then, except for wash days, there was the long afternoon. It was worst when it rained and blew. Then the sky would be full of whirls of rain and grit that flung and pelted against the walls that held us inside. Although I was quite content on those days because I was happy to be still. Sometimes I read an old newspaper of father's. Sometimes... When it wasn't too cold, I just sat alone in father's room, gazing out of the window. Already I loved that room, loved the sweeping, endless view, and knew that here I'd be the first to see him coming back. A little dot at first, steadily growing into a long shape, a pony and trap, and then into father. And then, once he'd become father again, he'd arrive home. And whether it was joy I felt, or whether it was fear, I was not certain. Anyone that went away from here, I used to believe when I was small, ceased gradually to be themselves, became nothing but a tiny dot. And then nothing at all. Unless they came back, as father always did. Ellen and Esther used to sit by the hearth playing with their peg dolls, whispering in their private language, lives for their toys. Their voices were soft, scarcely audible, like rustling leaves. But little words would catch in the air sometimes. Oh, mother, oh, mother, oh, the blood and the mud and the holy goat. We told them dead. The hearth. 
with its arch of brick pointing up the third black chimney, was the church, and the lives of the peg dolls were played out before it. The pairings and multiplyings and deaths, and when their blunt legs snapped, they were sent via the flames to heaven, for heaven was up that chimney. Agatha was the only one who liked to work in the afternoons, to work in the barn, forking the hay, splashing the brick floor clean, or outside in the garden, hoeing between the rows of lettuces and beans, sending the weeds flying in muddy arcs. And once she'd tired herself out, she'd go to Barley the Brown Cow and talk out her complaints about her lot, for Aggie was always complaining, always sighing, talk out her dreams. The animal would gaze calmly at her, past her, with wet brown pansy eyes, listening and blinking wisely her spiky lashes.